This is a podcast from the Queen City Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. My name is Logan, and that, of course, means that you are listening to another episode of The Crowncast. And today, we have a few things to talk about. In the offseason, we thought we'd have nothing to talk about. And it turns out we have everything to talk about because they keep giving us news. So what I have done is I have gone and I have found two very special people to help me discuss this litany, this slew of topics. Uh, One of them is a man who is so blessed by wisdom that if he wanted to learn something as a kid, he had to go to a library. That's Josh. Hello, Josh. Hello, and you are overselling and I'm going to (laughs) underdeliver. You know how I like to do it. The other... (laughs) is a man who was banned from sports at six years old because his mere presence is a competitive advantage. It's Ewan. Hello, Ewan. Yeah, it's a completely, it's a completely true story. And uh, yeah, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> Luckily, I've got no competitive advantage, uh, advantages in the podcast world. So uh, yeah, I'm uh, all happy to be here. I'm convinced, Ewan, that you have like just all football data and an- data and analytics like hardwired into your brain and it just instant downloads. So actually I do think you might have a competitive advantage, but where are you? It's not, it's not data and analytics. It's the, uh, it's the stuff that doesn't matter. It's, it's just random musings of players who um, have underachieved and, and I've tipped and, and have not worked out. So it could not be further from the truth, but I appreciate your, uh, I I appreciate you, uh, you overselling once again for me to under deliver as Josh says. (laughs) <laughs> hey, I am going to continue to oversell the two of you uh, until you start delivering. Get on it. I believe in you. <laughs> now that I've started that one out by insulting my friends, let's go ahead and talk about Dean Smith. Because we have talked about Dean Smith, yay, 17 times. But we did go and have the official first press conference, which I'm very honored. I got to be in the room for. I got to be there as he walked out as Joe LeBlue and uh, Zorn Cronetta and all of them did the pomp and circumstance towards the, the first press conference. And Josh, I'm going to start with you for a question. And that is, does a press conference matter? <laughs> um, in general, for me personally, no, except for the fact that you want to hear a few things. And if you don't hear those things, then it's a problem. Um, An introductory press conference, everything is set up for all the right things to be said. You kind of, as an organization, as a club, you should probably know what your fans want to hear. You're moving from one manager to another. You should be having some buzzwords and some key ideas in there. And if, as a fan, I don't hear that, that's when I get worried. Because then it's like, well, if we can't prepare for this press conference, how are we preparing for this next season? Um, so in that sense, that's the only thing that I really look for, because at the end of the day, a press conference, for the most part, I I think you get about what you get from every press conference. I I don't think that there's a ton that changes. Um, and, and for the most part, I think managers and players alike don't speak as truthfully as, as they do behind closed doors, obviously at a press conference. So I think that there are some generalities that can be gained, but nothing specific. Yeah, I am a well-known press conference hater. Is that the right way to say it? I'm a well-known skeptic of press conferences. I think that there is something that you can usually set up, like you said, far in advance to make sure that you've tested all of the things you can say and it, it goes off of the bingo boards correctly. Ewan, what's your what's your opinion on this? Um, 
do press conferences matter? I well, obviously, tangibly they don't. Like they don't contribute to anything, everything like that. Like you can say whatever you want, but I do think they matter in messaging in terms of like there's a PR team, there's everyone there. They will be purposeful to an extent about what they want to say. Um, and I do think there are bits and pieces in in this press conference which do which are purposeful, like. For, for for example, Dean Smith saying, you know, developing players, you know, that is my job. I think that's maybe different from what other head coaches would want to say in a press conference. They would see that as as not their priority. They would see it as, you know, the, the tactical outlay and winning games, which is ultimately the job for anyone. But I do think things like that are purposeful, like him saying that, because that is his strength as a head coach. So that is one of the things where they would say before the press conference, okay, we want to emphasize this because this is what you're good at. They don't really matter, but there is direct messaging that you can have in there, which, you know, you're not a fool to take that on board and say, oh, I like this or oh, I don't like this. I do think that there is a purpose to them. So I, I do think that they are worthwhile and general thoughts. I, I do think it was a fairly strong press conference from Dean Smith. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of happy with how it went. I set myself up there to then follow up and say, I was blown away. Um, <laughs> it, being in the room, I, I've said it now, I'm a skeptic. I was blown away. Uh, I think there were a couple of things that if they did them off script, wow. I mean, you've managed to, or if they did them on script, you've managed to convince me with your acting in a way that some Hollywood people need to take notes of. Uh, one of which was the way Dean Smith went up and said, you know, I've been asked how I keep my sort of emotional regularity in games. And my answer is, well, I know that there's a 78% chance we're going to win this game if I just do no everything the way I've done it before, right? And that means I could lose the game. But it means that more likely than not, I'm going to win. And I like that mentality. I like somebody who approaches the game in a way that says, I want control. And I understand that there will be things out of my control. Manchester City is the team in the world that everyone holds up on the pedestal of control. And they have lost a fair number of games in this season. They lost three of their best players. All of a sudden, three world-class players were gone. They are not the same team they once were, right? There's an element of control that will always not be there. But you can always still strive for that control. And you can, you can use that as a mentality and a buffer to the team. Could we lose one game? Yes. But over the course of the season, we're going to win 85 plus percent. Let's hope Charlotte FC, please meet these numbers. <laughs> but the thing that, that sold me while I was there, the thing that made me go, yep, I'm on the Dean Smith ship, was I was talking to Zorn. And if you've never gotten the chance to talk to Zorn, he is the most down to earth guy you could possibly imagine, or he's just a really good salesman. I was talking to Zorn and he looked at me and he, he said, you know, I had a great conversation with Dean as he was flying back, and he was talking about the Arsenal match. Now, Arsenal very recently played Brighton, and Dean was saying, look at this match. Look at what is happening here. There's not a result happening, but there is control. There is dominance. And a part of me said, did Zorn Cronetta put in enough work to have a dossier on me? to know that talking to me about Arsenal is the way to put, get me on the ship. Of course. And like, no, no, he did. He did. You don't have to question that. <laughs> I, 
I hate to be the one to tell everybody this. I'm not that important. Zorn Cronetta doesn't need to know who I am in the crowd, which means this was probably a genuine story. Uh, either A, it's a genuine story, or B, the information gathering of Charlotte FC is genuinely nuts. So he he talked about a moment of control that went out into the league and and was real and Dean apparently brought to the table of his own accord and said, I want to play a game that controls, that is that attacks and controls. And I went, yep, I'm on board. Uh, and I want you guys to tell me right now, did I get swept away? Am I, am, am I in the, am I, in, did I drink the Kool-Aid, Josh? <laughs> am I going to regret this? Uh, so I, I think you have definitely drank the Kool-Aid, but I don't think that that's a bad thing. Again, especially at a first press conference, you want to hear those things coming from what was a tough season, even though we made the playoffs, right? A disappointing first foray into the playoffs. And as, as people who have talked often about some of the shortcomings, again, when you hear what you want to hear, I think that that is kind of important because again, I think it shows that this club is understanding the concerns that the fan base is having. And hopefully there's genuineness in trying to address it. I, I will just say that the, the thing that um, I wasn't at this, the press conference, but I've seen some of the quotes. One of the things that really stuck out to me um, was that he one of his quotes was he's coming in and assessing the first squad to see how adaptable they are in terms of playing style. And that is something else that jumped out to me personally, because I'm a big proponent of a manager having a vision and sticking to that vision to a certain point. But I think one of the the issues, and we've talked about this with, with, with Christian Latanzio, was sometimes, did we have the players to fulfill that vision? And I'm hoping that what Dean Smith is saying is, I have a vision, I'm gonna see if the players can, can fit that vision. And if there's just no way that they can, then that vision is gonna change into something that's more practical for this team in this league, while, you know, not completely throwing everything out. Um, and so I don't know that I'm quite as ecstatic as you. I think part of that is probably because I think it's different when you're there. Um, you've drank the Kool-Aid, but again, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's what that's what the new season is all about. Hope always springs anew. Um, and, and I think as fans, like, that's a good thing to have. Hope springs eternal. Ewan, have I, have I had too much of the Kool-Aid? What are your thoughts here? Um... Well, the main thing I was going to say, because obviously I've, I've heard this from the first for the first time from you, that that was something that was particularly mentioned that Arsenal Brighton game that you refer to as something as like a reference point of of something that was particularly inspiring or or he thought was the kind of football that he'd want to play, whatever it may be, and, and was brought up to you. Um, I won't say it, it is the. I'll, I'll say it's one off because I don't want to be as definitive. Um, I do think that that Arsenal game versus Brighton is one of the best performances by a team I've watched in like the whole year, like of 2023 or, or the season, whatever you want to call it. And it was done via mostly out of possession stuff. That was kind of where the game was won and, and where the game was controlled, use the word control. If that is a point of emphasis that Dean Smith wants to go with, like that's like big thumbs up that's that's like cartwheels for me mentally that like i i'm into that in a major way if that's an area where he wants to dominate and he's coming into a league like mls where that can be such a big deal 
I'm really encouraged if that is something which he's putting a major emphasis in. Now, there is obviously the, the, the fact that that could just be, you know, relevant because you're an Arsenal fan and they've done the research and they're smart people. It could be that. It could be anything. Um, or it could be very, it, it could just be sincere that they really think that that kind of performance is something they can take and they can put into this Charlotte team and use it as a reference point. I really hope it is, I because I think that's where football is mostly won and lost in 2023 going into 2024. I think that's where this sport is at. And if that's where the emphasis is, brilliant. Thumbs up from me. Uh, all in. Fantastic. So, yeah, you I, say you're drinking the Kool-Aid. If I'd have been there hearing that with you, I would have been there doing it too. <laughs> and I, I have to be clear because I, I don't want to put words into Zoran or, or Dean Smith's mouth. He said that that was a great example of exerting control over a game where sometimes the final result is, well, I guess the final result in that game was good, but for a while, the final result didn't come. Yeah. Right. And and also it's just, it's two nil as well, isn't it? It's not, it's not a thrashing, but control and that word control, I like a lot because they did control the game, but possession probably didn't show it. The result probably didn't show it, but they had control all the way through the game with the out of possession structure. And if that's what the emphasis is, I'm all in. And Ewan, I knew that they were buttering me up when then they were like, oh, and by the way, tell that guy Ewan that we love leads. <laughs> Just let him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, no, that did not happen. I will say really quickly to everyone who has not seen that, please go watch it for yourself. There's a lot of really good information that I'm not going to cover here because we've got other things we'd like to talk about. But down to the fact that uh, you'll see a quote floating around that says his Dean Smith's ambition is the MLS trophy. And if you go and you listen to the actual quote, um, obviously they've ch- everyone's cherry-picked that headline. But the way he talks about, you know, if he's ever going to get the trophy is something that you deserve as a listener, as a fan, as a lover of Charlotte FC, to go hear for yourself because it's very eloquent. It's very well done. And it's not just about the trophy. It's The quote was more of an acknowledgement that that could and probably should be the end goal of any club with ambition. Let's, let's move on, because now that we've talked about the Dean Smith Kool-Aid, uh, we can talk about the Super Draft. Obviously, the MLS Super Draft has happened, and Charlotte FC has traditionally been very active in the Super Draft. Ben Bender, uh, left yeah. back. Diop, thank you. How many Diop? It's almost like we talk about this stuff for hours beforehand, and then the moment you need it, it's not there. Uh, we've had a few players come through. Andrew Privet, who came out of the Super Draft, and we have four Ajimang. new ones. Ajimang. Uh, Patrick Ajimang. Uh We have Tiger Smalls, who was uh, the 14th pick of the draft. We have Jelane, and I am using that pronunciation because I went back and I watched some of his university matches, and the announcers pronounced his name Jelani. So I am going to follow that until probably he tells me I'm wrong. Uh, Jelani Forbes uh, was picked 38th. Jacob Babali, uh, Babali excuse me, was picked 41st. And Nathan Richmond was picked 70th. There are a lot of similarities across all of these picks. Everyone here is a wing player. Everyone here is an attacking stroke player uh with the possible exception of Jelani Forbes who I'm going to talk about really quick and I'm going to ask you guys about some of the other ones just general thoughts 
Jelani is a touchline guy. He is on the edge of the pitch as far out to the left side as you can possibly get. And I really enjoyed watching him. I enjoyed sort of diving into what he can do uh, because he's very accurate. You get a lot of young people, a lot of young players who are, they have that burst of speed and he's not a small guy. He's six foot tall. So he has that burst of speed at, with some size to go behind it. And then when he sends the ball in, it tends to be targeted. I didn't see a ton of poke and hope. I saw a lot of, even if the execution was wrong, I saw a lot of, that's my guy. I'm hitting it to him. Now, I want to be clear. I also saw a lot of him picking that guy out and then missing the guy. <laughs> so he's got, he's got places to go. He's heavily left-footed. He can shoot on his right, but I would not. You know, it's, it's something he's, he's clearly working on. You can see from the video he's trying, but there's work to be done. He looks like an attacking player. In the best actions playlists and things that I looked at, there were basically no defensive actions in his, in his setup. So whether that's how he was being used at his university or how that team was set up, he's getting into a lot of attacking positions. And this is supposedly the defender that we've signed. Uh, so the other guys are all actually attackers. And probably the most famous, the one you would have heard, is Tiger Smalls. Really quick, uh, Ewan, anything you want to say on on our number one pick? Yeah, I, I, a couple of things. Uh, one, just in terms of a team-building overall perspective, um, it seems like we're continuing the theme. You mentioned how aggressive we are in the MLS Super Draft. This continues the theme that not only are we going to be aggressive with that, but in a in a wider sense with younger players, we're going to throw a lot of darts at the dartboard when it comes to wingers. We spoke in a in a podcast in the around the summertime that in terms of our squad building, one point of emphasis is that there's going to be a lot of buy low on wingers because that's a high potential area um, for development, and and that's kind of borne itself out in how many young players we do have in that area and we spoke about it on the uh, on the buy sell holds that we've done over the last few weeks um or, or that well the particular one that we did uh, last week regarding the forwards we have a lot of high potential wing talent that we are obviously hoping is going to come to fruition we already did before this uh, and now we add tiger smalls to that and uh yeah we'll see what he's able to do another thing that i would say on it is that he is um he he is from he is from the uk he was born in uh, in London and it had come over to uh, to America through the uh, through the college system. In between being in academies and and being at Arsenal and 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 also well having a trial at Arsenal, but also before that being at Tottenham and uh, and Norwich, he he actually played a little bit of semi pro football over here. Which, I mean, I I won't speak to it that much or give it too much gravitas, but for a winger, a young winger. That is uh, a standard of football where you are going to put on a, a colour pair of boots that are anything other than black, and you are going to have your legs kicked, and you are going to have yourself barged out by ten yards by a thirty-year-old who's been playing that level of football for ten years. So he's been through the rough and tumble of that, and I, I think that's in his bag as kind of a professional experience. I think that's worth saying. Um, because he's only been playing, you know, the college system. Even though it's not professional, I would say not professional. I would say men's experience. Like, like he's played at that adult level. So I do think what we're getting in him at his age is someone who's 
he's he's had a decent life of football already, and I, I almost wonder if that means that he'll be able to contribute more early than people would expect. But again, I don't want to put too much pressure on him. But generally, from the outlay, pretty happy with the uh, with the selection and, and excited to see what he can do. So, so I'll tell you one thing that pick that he jumps off of the screen for. And you talked about the fact that he's played in the league where he probably got his legs kicked out a lot, where he he played the rough and tumble, the physical league. He likes the contact. Everything he plays, he wants a defender in his back. He's very good at the DJ style of sort of using his arms to feel where a person is. And then the moment he knows, you know, sort of where their weight shifts, he uses that, that knowledge of touch and physical contact to move the ball into a space where they can't attack it. He's really good at that. I am impressed in the short amount of time that I have seen him do it. What he is capable of doing from a physical standpoint on the ball, he is imposing. He's not afraid to use his size, and uh, he will go shoulder to shoulder with anyone. And every time I've seen him go shoulder to shoulder, he's won that duel. So I'm excited for that. That might come out of some of what you're talking about. Uh, let's go, Josh. Josh, do you want to sort of touch on uh, Jacob uh, Babali, or do you want to touch on Nathan Richmond? So I'd actually like to touch on Richmond. I, I can't say that I've I've seen extensive amounts of his playing time, but one but one thing that jumped out to me um, in the bio that Charlotte released for him was he went to IMG Academy, and if anyone is familiar with um collegiate sports in america you've probably heard of img academy they produce a ton of professional athletes um zach Eady, armando baycott went to img academy when it comes to their soccer program um i just i just looked it up and you got guys like breck shea josh Sargent, uh freddie adu who all went to img josie altador so i think what's really interesting about Richmond for me is he's only 19, so he's young. And while the youth setups in the United States are obviously not what they are um, in Europe, he has probably gone through about as good of a youth setup as you can go through in America, having gone from IMG then to Clemson, which the ACC has good soccer programs. Um, So I, I think his potential jumps out to me because he's much younger, I think, than than the other guys. I wouldn't necessarily expect to see much of him this upcoming year, but that his pedigree of training gives me hope that there could be a real good player in there um, and maybe one that we see a little bit earlier than you might expect based on his age. Yeah, and I don't think we can take the fact that he was drafted fourth you know, of our picks, obviously drafted mm-hmm. 70th as a, a symbol of, you know, this guy's nothing. Uh, Andrew Privet was drafted. I believe you and you told me it was 69th. Yeah, yeah, yep, exactly. One spot off. Um, so if Andrew Privet can be uh, drafted one spot off and step into the team and make a difference, it's possible that any of these guys could step into the team and make a difference. The last one I'm going to talk about is actually the one I'm most interested in inspired by excited for one of those words that says i'm happy uh jacob babali is somebody who i got into the video of him and maybe we'll do like a special scouting video on some of these guys people can go watch 
I got into the video of Jacob Babalai, and I went, yeah, that's a smart footballer. Kind of good, pays attention. And then I sort of went, oh, well, that's actually, you know, he, he turned quite nicely there. Oh, you know, he, he, was, uh, he was between a lot of people there and, and did a pretty good job. You know, now he's turning into the other direction. Oh, he's getting 12 goals. Oh, wait a minute, he's getting headers. Oh, wait, now he's doing defensive responsibilities. Why is he helping the midfielders? Oh, never mind, he's still, what? I, I just constantly ramped up. I had this moment of, this just looks like a generally smart number nine, right? And over time, it transitioned into well, wait a minute, he's pretty light on his feet. He's not devastatingly fast, but he's quick. He's tall, he's six foot three. He gets a fair number of goals with his head. He connects very well with his midfield. A ton of his highlight reels are defensive responsibilities. He's very good at pickpocketing the ball. Um, now, obviously all of this comes with the caveat that he's playing against uh, defenses that are not MLS quality here. But he kind of seems like a general seven out of 10, do all, everything action forward. And the modern game needs that, right? If he comes in and he's a 6.5 out of 10 for a year in everything, Charlotte FC will benefit. Are they going to have the most terrifying striker on planet Earth? No, gosh, no. But are they going to have somebody who can take minutes here and there? Are they going to have somebody who can go into the cups and be reliable? Are they going to have somebody who can go out and learn to develop those killer skills while the coaches trust in the player? Absolutely. And so often you get these young guys and you find something like the, the turning ability, the, the strength of Tiger Smalls. It's very rare you get one and you go, you know what? I don't really see a strength but I really don't see a weakness and you're putting goals into the back of the net. So that's, that's pretty exciting for me. You and you hear that. And what does that make you think? Well, we obviously did the podcast last week talking about the forwards by Sol Hold and, and we were talking about strikers. And one of the things I am very much into strikers who can hit high floor across the board and have no weaknesses. It's why I was supportive of Enzo Capetti. It's why I was a little bit critical of uh, Patrick Ajima. So what you mentioned there in terms of the striker of, oh, he can do a bit of hold up here. Oh, he can turn in these areas. Oh, he's got, you know, he's, he's six foot three, but he's got those ballerina feet. He can do this. He can do that. That's, that's ultimately, you know, that, that, that's, that's getting me charged to someone as a striker that I like. I like someone who can do a bit of this, a bit of that, can do a bit of everything, tick all the boxes. And I like it for the reason I'll say it again after saying it last week. I think when you're a striker, you're almost you, you, you're like a you're like a talk show host. You're setting the table for everyone else to win. Yep. You have to be hitting high floors and everything because then the winger can do this, what they're good at. Then the then the midfielder who makes those late intelligent runs can do what he does because you're on script, you're on time. And from what you're saying. It sounds like he can tick all those boxes. There'll be a level of, you know, going go to the professional game, like you say, upgrading his standards and everything like that, that'll come. Um, or, or you'll hope it'll come, and that's the bet that's being made by making the draft selection. But from what you say in terms of that evaluation, if everything is high floor, it's the kind of striker that I like. So I'm excited to see what he does, and I imagine it'll be mostly Crown Legacy early, um, and, and there'll, be a, there'll be a gap to fill, because 
I imagine Patrick Agerman will get that full promotion next season, leave that space open fully. And I'm excited to see what he does. So, yeah, based off of what you've said, it's a co-sign from me of being happy with the uh, with the pick. So all you have to do is trust that I'm scouting them properly. Uh, <laughs> John, I'm going to jump over to you because mm-hmm. I found I find myself torn. Uh, every single one of these guys is a winger or a fullback. Uh, or an attacking fullback, uh, mm-hmm. or something big, tall, speedy attack. They're all young, and this feels to me like the meat grinder approach. This feels to me like, hey, let's go get seven super talented attacking uh, people who all mm-hmm. can kind of you know manipulate the game a little bit differently, and let's put them all in the poison jar and see who comes out the deadliest bug. There's a part of me there's a part of me that loves that approach. There's also a part of me that, you know, so much of the game is these are kids, right? I mean, not all of them are. Some of them are 21 years old. So some of they're all legally adults, but these are young players. Do you like the approach of throw them all in the deep end? We see who sinks and who swims, or do you feel like there should be more nurturing, more guidance? Um I actually like that that approach. I, I think player evaluations are, are so hard. And, and when it comes to drafting, I, I think we've said this before and we were talking a little before the pod, how the MLS is more akin to MLB draft than it is to the NFL or especially the NBA, right? You're kind of taking a guy and you're trying to project out two to three years as opposed to taking a guy and saying, okay, what is he going to do next year? And when that happens, I just feel like there's so many variables from injury to maturity to does the guy settle? You know, we're talking about Jacob Babalai. He went to school in Portland. He grew up in Oregon. He is now going to travel across the country and live on the East Coast. And for some people, that's no big deal. For other people, that's a huge deal to be away from family and and to be on a different time zone like that, right? And so I think especially as an organization that, again, is just really getting started. I think taking sort of a a shotgun approach of let's grab a a bunch of kids that we like, um, especially at a youth level, and let's see if the competition brings them up or sinks them. I don't think that that's necessarily a harsh thing either on the player's side, because I, I think that competition, I think all these guys, if you reach this level, you're not afraid of competition. I think I think it's just a matter of some guys are going to make it, some aren't. I think what I'm curious to see, and I don't think we'll know this for another couple of years, is how good is this club at taking these guys who are really talented at, say, the crown legacy level and then bringing them up to the MLS level? And that's something that you're not going to know for probably three or four more years. Because if you're taking this approach of of really going at this draft hard, and that's what we're doing. We didn't have a first-round draft pick because of Patrick Agajuman last year, so we traded to get another one, right? If you're doing those sorts of things, then you have to have the results of having them play well at Legacy and then moving into the MLS and playing really well. And if those things don't happen, um, I, I, then you question the strategy. But for right now, I'm okay with it. Yeah, uh, I am reasonably pleased. I like each of these guys individually. They all have holes in their game. I don't think we can overly stress the fact that I none of these guys are ready. 
the most ready of them is probably Tiger Smalls. The reason he was probably picked first. The They all have development to go. They could all pop into their first game and take over. I mean, they all are very good players. How they adapt to the MLS, how they adapt to MLS Next, wherever they end up, is going to be their challenge. Ewan, do you have any final thoughts on these guys before we push on to the next section? Um, no, nothing major. Just, um, I mean, just from having a little skim watch of these players, because it's hard to project where these players will go. There's a lot of them, and and we only found out who we had selected yesterday. Um, I have to say, I do, <laughs> I, I do really like Babalai's game. <laughs> I, I, I did watch it. I did make the effort to watch a little bit, and there is some good YouTube footage available, which um, I. I I watch it and I, I like I don't want to as- assign myself to this permanently because it's only bits and bobs here and there. It's about 15 minutes that I watched of him. It's a lot of two footedness. It's a lot of really smart holder play. It's a lot of this and that. I, I need to figure out more about what the you know what the standard was of that level, whether that's high college, whether that's you know a, a lower college soccer level, whatever it may be. But just his general game, I, I I did really enjoy it, and maybe that's something that I'll have to um, do a bit more on in the next couple of months, and and then I'll give a a firm opinion on that before the season starts. But his general game it, for a number nine, it, I love it. I loved it. It it seems like it's going to be fun to watch him develop, no matter what happens. Let's go on, and we are going to do our season wrap up, and our season wrap up is going to be really simple. Last year we had. Uh, sort of an impromptu moment where we all sat down at the crown cast and we got to talk about our favorite things that happened in the year. And it was really special to me. So we're going to do it again. What I'm going to do is I'm going to start with uh, in order of the people that I have written down on this magic sheet of paper. And that is Josh in 2023, your, your journey with Charlotte FC with the crown cast, what has been your, your moment of the year? Um, so maybe this one is just too obvious, but I don't care. Uh, for me, it was the win against Inter Miami at home. It was an improbable win going into that game in my mind, to be completely honest with you. And then I thought if we were going to win that game, it was going to be a 4-3 shootout. And the fact that we got our goal in the 13th minute, and then we did what we couldn't do the entire rest of the year, which was hold a lead and not concede in the 80th minute. Um, I think it was just, it was a really cool moment, obviously getting to see the greatest player that there is. Um, but it was, it was doubly cool because they needed the game, obviously, right? Like the, if the goal was to make the playoffs, you needed that game. And for them to have come through and, and do that, it wasn't the most exciting game in terms of, you know, us really doing much after that first goal but i just think the overall experience of beating that miami team um you know was was really fun and really special and um hey i guess maybe we'll see Messi again this year and maybe the same thing will happen i'll jump over to you and you and what has been your highlight moment of 2023 um well outside of just generally having a great time with you guys and doing everything with the podcast, everything like that, um, which has been a blast. I particularly particularly enjoyed when we beat Columbus Crew 1-0 at home. Now, that 
that seems like it might be with hindsight because obviously what's gone on to happen and uh, they've they've won the MLS Cup and and now we can say with retrospect that we beat the team that won the MLS Cup. But even at the time, that was probably the most fun game in terms of the actual tactical stuff and the result working out for us that we had throughout the season. And and even on that um, even on that post react, I, I may have been the person who people didn't want to hear because I spent half the time talking about how much I love Wilfred Nancy <laughs> and how they set that team up and and that might have been a bit great after a result where we've won. <laughs> but I just I think I think it spoke to just how how good a result that was, and obviously with my guy Carol Swiderski scoring the winning goal, I think when I look back to it and try and put myself in that position because it was I think it was in sort of late April. There was such a, there was such a, you're in that early season optimism and you're just kind of hoping things work out. And, and, and every player that we were kind of banking our hopes on at that point had a decent game. We were going through the crowns. We were like, this guy played well that we were hoping would play well. This guy had a good game who played, um, who we'd been kind of umming and ahhing about. They, they played well and, and also just tactically set up really well. And it was just, it was like a cool drink of water watching oh this is how we should have set up and it's how we have set up and i really enjoyed it really enjoyed doing the post react of that and uh i think to take the two uh the the 2023 season as a whole that was probably the most optimistic i was about our chances because it showed a little bit of tactical versatility which unfortunately didn't continue throughout the season so i really enjoyed that game those are the games for me which is someone from the uk who stays up till you know 3 4 a.m watching these games and then with the post reacts a little bit longer they're the, they're the ones you do it for because they're the they're the enjoyable ones they're they're the fun ones and that that you know that that keeps that enthusiasm going and uh yeah that that sticks out as a real fun one for me i i get to follow up and i get to be the sap uh, because the two of you both cho- chose obvious things you know football related things and believe it or not, I'm not going to choose the greatest player of all time coming to Charlotte FC. Although that was a really special moment for me. I, I would be lying if I said otherwise. I had the unique experience of sitting around watching a Charlotte FC game. And we have a little chat off on the side. We have a match day chat. And midway-ish through the season this time, we had a picture come through on our match day chat. Dear friend Josh had just had a child and we got a picture of Josh's daughter in a handmade Charlotte FC onesie watching the Charlotte (laughs) FC match. And you could just see the like joy in the, in the picture. Josh wasn't even in it, but you could see the joy in the picture. You could see the the hope for the future, the beginning, a, a whole new generation of Charlotte FC fans uh, you know, there is a, a new person in the world who Charlotte FC will be a part of their life. It may be forever. I don't know. But that moment of seeing the team I love and the people I get to do this podcast with and the life that springs around it uh, was really special for me. So that is going to be my my 2023 highlight of the year was was getting that picture in the match day chat. Uh, so, gentlemen, in case you do not know that I am romantic and a sap, now you know <laughs> I am a romantic sap, and uh, you're both pretty important people to me. As 
are you guys, the listeners? Uh, I say it every day. I say it every podcast. I mean it every time. Uh, we are going to start to wrap it up. But if you have decided to spend your time with us for this podcast, for any of the post reacts, for any of the Wednesdays, uh, whether you are yelling at our opinions or you are right there beside us, any way that you have supported us, thank you so much. It means the world to us. It really does. And we love you. That's it. We are going to go ahead and, and turn it over for 2023. We are taking a break for the final week so that we can go and enjoy the holidays with our families. And we hope that uh, wherever you're spending the holidays, it's warm, that it's filled with love, and that you get all of the same celebration and joy uh, that, that we wish you. So now that I've said all that for the last time of 2023, Josh, thank you, sir. Thank you, guys. And Ewan, thank you. Yep, always a pleasure. Thank you very much. That's it, baby. We'll talk to you in the new year. Goodbye. Queen City Podcast Network.com.